Good morning, church. <clears throat> Excuse me. Happy New Year. I have some very exciting personal news to share with you this morning. So far this entire year, I have not cheated on my diet one time. I'm going to be honest, though, the results are not what I was hoping for, so I'm planning to quit at lunchtime. <clears throat> Brother Ryan, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, y'all. Brother Ryan, I wanted to ask if you could, uh, if you can hear me, those five folks that were singing, um, Jesus, Christ, our only hope in life and death, uh, if you would plan to sing that at my funeral, I would really appreciate it. Wasn't that just powerful and wonderful? I appreciate I don't have my funeral planned. It's not scheduled. So, but just put that on your agenda that I would really appreciate you all doing that. Uh, so my diet wasn't as successful. I'm going to quit at lunchtime. But it was a good run. And I think, uh, <clears throat> I think there were a couple of Big Ten coaches telling their players that last night. Okay. Now that I've alienated 95% of our congregation, <laughs> uh, I don't think Pastor Jeremy has the authority to fire me anymore, so I'm thankful for that. Thank you all for being here this morning. When, when my children were young, uh, we used to teach them, uh, when, when they were walking, I was pastoring in North Carolina, and we would walk through the church uh, facility, and oftentimes you would find a, a cellophane wrapper or a piece of paper or something like that on the floor. So we would teach them, or we taught them, pick that up. It, it's really easy just to see it on the floor and walk by it, but when they were three, five, seven, nine, we would stop them and say, hey, pick that up, and they would have questions. Well, I didn't put it there. I didn't, I didn't say you put it there, but pick it up. And their response would be, well, won't somebody else do it? And I said, well, yeah. Doesn't, don't we pay somebody to do that? Yeah, yeah, we pay some. Well, why can't you pick that up? If you were being paid to do it, wouldn't you appreciate if somebody would pick that up for you? Somebody has to do it. And we taught them that. We did the same thing at ball games. and I'm not suggesting if you don't do this, you're not as spiritually mature as you should be, but at, we would go to a lot of baseball games together as a family, and we would take... Uh, a lot of times the children would eat peanuts and eat the peanut and throw the shells on the ground, and we taught them... I know everybody does that, but why? Somebody has to clean that up. So why not take the shells and put it in a box or wait till you're finished with your drink and put the shells in your drink or do something instead of just throwing them on the ground? It did. Somebody has to pick that up. Which leads me into an illustration I read I'd like to, to read for you this morning. This is a story about four people named everybody, somebody, anybody, and nobody. There was an important job to be done Everybody was sure that somebody would do it. Anybody could have done it, but nobody did. Somebody got angry about that because it was everybody's job. Everybody thought anybody could do it, but nobody realized that everybody wouldn't do it. It ended up that everybody blamed somebody when nobody did what anybody could have done. I guess they all wondered whose job was it anyway. I wonder this morning if anybody is willing to be somebody in 2023. We'll come back to that in our conclusion. There is an important job to be done. More, more biblically accurate is an important role to fill. 
It's necessary for obedience in the process of making disciples. And that role is outreach. Evangelism, outreach, sharing Christ is it's a biblical mandate for all believers and a responsibility of the church, and we know the church is you and I, individuals. It's not this facility that we're meeting in, and we praise God for that, but the church is individuals, you and I. Evangelism is a command. We cannot use the excuse that I'm not gifted in evangelism or that that's not my passion. Have you ever heard anyone say that? It should be heartbreaking. How can we not have a passion to see people rescued from eternity in hell, separated from God, and spend eternity with Jesus through the blood of Jesus Christ? We all have a biblical mandate to share the joy and the love of Jesus Christ. It is anybody, somebody, and everybody's role that has truly received Christ as their Lord and Savior. It often seems, however, that nobody is doing it. So the answer to the question, whose job is it anyway, regarding evangelism is yes, it is our job. It's my responsibility, your responsibility. If you're a disciple of Jesus Christ, it is your responsibility. So the follow-up question is, are we being obedient in fulfilling our responsibility? I believe the fields are indeed white for harvest, so... Why is the harvest so weak? This morning, we'll see from Paul's letter to the Corinthians that we have all been given the ministry of reconciliation, the ministry of reconciling men to God through the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're all called to be ministers of reconciliation. We have all been issued a call to the ministry. Now, I bet when you got up this morning you didn't plan on going to church thinking you were going to be called into the ministry. But you already have been. As we look at the word of God this morning, I trust that with me you'll see that every one of us have a responsibility, a call to the ministry of reconciling the unbelievers to a relationship with Jesus Christ. If you would, please turn with me in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We'll read verses 14 through 21, but our text will be primarily verses 18 through 20. If you are able, and that phrase means a lot more to me now with my back issues than it used to, but if you are able, please stand together for the reading of the Word of God. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, Paul is talking about and contrasting temporal versus eternal things, and we, we jump in in verse 14 with this word. For the love of Christ controls us, having concluded this, that one died for all, therefore all died, and he died for all, so that they who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose again on their behalf. It's a good verse for January 1st, isn't it? Verse 16, therefore from now on we recognize no one according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him in this way no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. Now all these things are from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Namely, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. 
Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were making an appeal through us, we beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Let's pray together. Father, we are overwhelmed by your grace. We thank you and praise you that you indeed, through the blood of Christ, have reconciled us to a relationship with you that is eternal and secure because of your love for us. Father, this morning as we look at our call, each and every one of us as disciples of Christ, the call to be reconciled to God, to be ministers of reconciliation. Father, I pray that you would empower us, allow your spirit to revive the hearts of those who are truly saved and bring repentance to the hearts of those who are not. Father, I am incapable of sharing anything of spiritual value with those who have gathered together this morning to worship you. So, Father, use me simply as a conduit in your hands to bring forth the truths of your word. Help me to be totally and completely surrendered and submissive to you, your spirit, and the truths of your word, and that your spirit would be our teacher, changing each and every one of us as we move in to this new year with the opportunity, the call, and the command to be ministers of reconciliation. We love you, Father, and praise you, and ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. Quite literally, numerous messages, sermons, and deep truths could be brought from this short and theologically deep text that we just read together. Our emphasis this morning, though, will focus on our role as ministers of reconciliation. So first, let's see point number one, the purveyor of reconciliation. Look with me again at verse 18, and I I don't recall whether I said this or not, but we read verses 14 through 21, but our our text will be just verses 18 through 20 primarily. Point number one is the purveyor of reconciliation. Verse 18, now all these, excuse me, all these things are from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. The word purveyor is one who provides or supplies. The one who provides or supplies. God is the provider of reconciliation. In the English language, the word reconcile is defined as to establish, re-establish a close relationship or to settle or resolve. One of the things we have to keep in mind at all times, folks, is the one true God is a relational God and he desires to be in relationship with those whom he has created in his image. That relationship, however, is impossible with the barrier of sin that separates mankind from this holy and righteous God. Man's sinful disobedience to God has broken the relationship between man and himself, and reconciliation is necessary for that relationship to be restored. God himself is the purveyor, the provider, the enabler of that reconciliation. Look with me again at verse 18. Now, all these things are from God. These things are referencing what was spoken about in the previous text, but not just this this chapter, but all of 2 Corinthians and all the letters that, that Paul has written to Corinth. We find in this text the unmistakable sovereignty of God in salvation. The verse goes on to say, He reconciled us to himself. Reconciled in the original language is katalasso. Carries the meaning of to change mutually. Now, think about that for a moment. We know from the character of God and other scripture texts throughout the entirety of the word of God that God is perfect and does not change. If God changed, he would cease to be God. 
What then changes mutually in reconciliation between man and God? What has changed mutually? What is reconciled for both God and man is the relationship. The relationship changes for both. Man, in that he is the recipient of reconciliation and now has a relationship established with God, and God, in that he willingly receives back into a right relationship with himself those who are reconciled. In verse 21... We saw the means of that reconciliation. He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Please note that God does the reconciling. The verse says, he reconciled us to himself. It is his act, his will, his grace that restores a relationship between any human and God. There is nothing that any person can do to reconcile their own relationship with a holy and righteous God. We are humble recipients. God is indeed the purveyor and one who provides for our reconciliation, and he does so, look at the verse, through Christ. The only hope, the only means of a reconciled relationship between man and God is the person of Jesus Christ. His death on the cross, his taking of our sin upon his shoulders, his payment of our penalty, his imputed righteousness is the exclusive means, the only means by which man can receive recon reconciliation. Jesus is the only way man can enter into a right relationship with God. Now keep this in mind because we are called to be ministers, servants, diakonos, of reconciliation. The last phrase of this verse, verse is key for our emphasis this morning. He gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Have you thought about this? Every one of us who are truly followers of Christ this morning have been called to the ministry, the ministry of reconciliation. The word for reconciliation here is a little bit different than translated earlier in the verse. This one is katalage. Slightly different meaning from the same root as we looked at earlier in reconciliation. It means literally this, to restore to divine favor or to restore relationships. So grasp hold of this truth. Once we have been reconciled to God by grace through faith, every one of us, every truly saved person has been given the ministry of reconciliation. The ministry of seeking to facilitate a right relationship between God and those in our sphere of influence through the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what we're called to do. That's one of the reasons God saved us so that we could share Christ with other people who need to be saved, who need to have reconciliation the way we've been granted reconciliation. Used only by Paul in the New Testament, this phrase ministry of reconciliation denotes a divine dispensation Paul's word and ministry were the word and ministry of katalage and so should ours be the ministry of reconciliation so whose job is it anyway all of us have been called to this ministry all of us I wonder what our church family would look like I wonder what this auditorium would look like this time next year if we all covenant together to take this responsibility seriously in 2023. Allow me to move to the next point with this reminder. Every genuine believer, every Christian is commanded to make disciples. 
That is our church purpose statement. That's what Jesus left us to do in the Great Commission. Go and make disciples. So by extension, every genuine disciple is called to the ministry of reconciliation. Do you want to make a a resolution for 2023 that has eternal value? Shake your head this way. Yes, you do. Resolve by his grace to make disciples. Are we serious about fulfilling our calling? Point number two, then we see the person of reconciliation. Look with me at verse 19. Namely, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against him, and he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. In verse 18, we saw that God reconciled through Christ, and in verse 19, we see that God was in Christ. We just celebrated the incarnation. Christmas Sunday was last week. This phrase speaks to the divinity of Jesus Christ, as well as his plan and his purposes for reconciliation, for restoration of relationship. Reconciling the world to himself. God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. Again, we see the purveyor, the source of the restoration of relationship. God in Christ reconciles and seeks to reconcile the world to himself. He does the reconciling. Everyone grasp that? It's not us, it's him. And he has given us the responsibility to be his ministers, his diakonos, his servants of reconciliation. More on that in just a moment. The verse goes on to say, God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against him. This is what must take place if reconciliation is to be possible. We all understand this, right? Sin must be taken out of the way, not counted against those who are to be reconciled. Unrepented and unresolved sin is the impediment that blocks a relationship between God and man, and that sin must be removed if reconciliation is to take place. The incarnation, Christmas. God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. The possibility of this reconciliation came to fruition at the cross where the penalty of sin was paid by the blood of Christ. Now's a good time for all God's children to say, amen. Amen. And because of this, because of this truth, look at the rest of the verse, he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. All genuine followers of Christ are to be ministers of the gospel implementing the ministry of reconciliation to which we have been called by sharing the truths of Jesus Christ seeking to facilitate and that's the key seeking to facilitate peace between God and man through the reconciliation purchased at the cross by speaking truth to those who are spiritually dead grasp that your responsibility as a minister of reconciliation is to speak truth the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ to those who are spiritually dead this is our role this is our command everybody every one of us you have been called 
to the ministry, the ministry of reconciliation. Whose job is it anyway to share the gospel, to be ministers of reconciliation? All of us. For so long, so many have eschewed their responsibility to be ministers of reconciliation, claiming that either they just don't have the gift of evangelism or that they will leave that to the professionals. I trust this morning, brothers and sisters, that you're seeing that these thought processes are antithetical to the Word of God. Evangelism is a command. If you have the Spirit, you have the gift of evangelism. You have the ability to evangelize. You have the command to evangelize. It is our role. Everybody. All of us. In the previous church I pastored, we lamented the fact that Jesus was unknown to some children who had opportunity, who, to whom we had opportunity to minister on a regular basis. Children in the community in a, a, a low-income housing development we, we went to often had never heard the name of Jesus Christ. I spoke with a woman there who sought to share Jesus with a 30-year-old nephew who had never heard the name of Jesus Christ. 30 years old, American, born and bred, had no idea who Jesus was. How can that be? May I propose to you and I this morning that it is in large part because we, the church, the ministers of reconciliation, have failed in fulfilling our calling. Perhaps we could resolve to covenant together to be somebody who seeks to be faithful to this calling in 2023. Matt Smethurst, write, Matt Smethurst writes this in uh, Before You Share Your Faith. He says, If I love someone enough, I will overcome my fear and share Christ with them. If I don't, I won't. We're called to speak truth to those who are spiritually dead. When we fear to tell people the truth, it's not because we love them too much. It's because we love ourselves too much. Now, folks, please hear me saying this from a, a perspective of complete humility. I'm still fearful at times. I was voted the shyest in my class as a senior in high school and nicest hair, but we won't talk about that one. It's intimidating. We aren't capable in and of our own strength, but through the power of the Holy Spirit, what we need to learn to do is love people enough because we love Christ enough to share the gospel with him. That's what God has called us to do. Point, then, point three then is this. The plea for reconciliation. Look with me at verse 20. The plea for reconciliation. Therefore we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were making an appeal through us. We beg you on behalf of Christ be reconciled to God. The verse says, we are ambassadors for Christ. The word for ambassadors carries the meaning of to act as a representative. Folks, allow that truth to penetrate your hearts with me, please. 
you and I, as disciples of Christ, as genuinely converted people by the blood of Christ because of the reconciliation that God has granted us into a relationship with him, to a right relationship with him, we are ambassadors, representatives for Jesus Christ. That should be in the forefront of our mind every moment of every day as we live in this coming year, 2023. Let that be in the forefront of our mind. I represent the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what an ambassador does. And that's who you and I are. Ambassadors for Christ. We're called, commanded, and equipped to act as representatives of Jesus Christ. Look at the rest of the verse with me and let's see what we're called to do as we represent. Therefore, we are ambassadors of Christ as though God were pleading through us. Excuse me. As though God were pleading through us. There's so much application truth here. God is in us through the Holy Spirit. Any appeal that is made properly is indeed God making an appeal through us. We are his conduits voicing the possibility of reconciliation. Sent forth to minister the word of reconciliation to lost mankind. I understand many of us think, well, I just can't do that, Jim. And you're right. You can't. But he will. Are you willing to say this morning that, Jim, I just don't think God can do that through me? Willing to limit God? I think we all know better than that, don't we? Brothers and sisters, this is God's exclusive plan for the reconciliation of man to himself. The hope of restored relationship is if you and I are faithful ambassadors of Christ, making an appeal for men, women, and young people to be reconciled, put back into a right relationship with God. You've heard it said that there's no plan B. That's right. And you and I are plan A. It's our responsibility. The verse goes on to say this, we implore you on Christ's behalf. Implore here in the original language is pericoleo, and it means it's the same word that's used often in the New Testament translated as a to comfort or to be comforted. There is intended as we're pleading and begging people to come to a reconciled relationship with Jesus Christ, there is intended to be a calm passion about this plea for others to come to Christ. A resolved sense of urgency as we understand that eternity hangs in the balance. Now please, please hear this. Do not confuse this urgency with your responsibility to see them converted. Conversion is the work of God. That's not your role. Conversion is the work of God. Your responsibility and my responsibility is that they hear the need for and possibility of reconciliation with a holy and righteous God. That's our role. An urgent, impassioned, calm plea for unbelievers to look at the end of the verse. Look at verse 20. To be reconciled to God. This is the invitation to a restored relationship with a relational God who has provided the way of a right relationship with repentant mankind through the blood of Jesus Christ. This is what we're pleading and begging and impassioned about seeing people who are lost and on their way to an eternity in hell reconciled to God through the blood of Christ. The plea is be reconciled to God. Please note and I'm as guilty of this as anyone, 
The plea isn't, be reconciled to think the way I think. That would be nice, wouldn't it? But the plea is for them to be reconciled to a right relationship with God. What greater desire, what greater motivation, what greater passion, what greater resolution could there be in the life of a genuine disciple than to see the lost, the spiritually dead, reconciled to God and maturing in their faith. It's interesting that some churches often have salvation invitations at the gatherings of believers in a building like this where the church meets. There are those, I've experienced this in the past as a pastor, there are those who are disturbed and complain to the leadership there, there just aren't enough invitations at the church services. Now, there should always be a call to application of truth in any message or teaching. As we share truth with you, our desire through the power of the Holy Spirit is that there's application made. The Holy Spirit is an agent of change, and all of us should be changed by the Word of God if we're open to the truths of the Word of God. So there should be a plea for application of the truth. But believers do not need a call to be reconciled to God. Please know that the shortest shortage of gospel invitations doesn't take place in a church building. The shortage takes place in our homes, in our schools, in our places of business, at our Thanksgiving and Christmas and New Year's Day meals, at the ball game where our children play, at the gas station where we buy fuel, and at the bank where we coordinate our finances. There is indeed a shortage of gospel invitations because there's a shortage of gospel conversations, not in the church meeting facility, but in the community, in the process of our going to make disciples. So whose job is it anyway? to say what Jesus says, to speak truth to those who are spiritually dead. Well, let me put it this way as we conclude our message time. At the beginning of the message this morning, I wondered if anybody was willing to be somebody. Let me come back to that question with this rewritten version of the opening illustration. It's a role that everybody, save people, is called to do so that anybody that the Lord is prompting can receive the only somebody that can reconcile man to God. But although anybody can do it, everybody thinks somebody else will, so almost nobody actually does. If the Lord's plan is for everybody to be somebody who shares the gospel, why is it that almost nobody does? Isn't it time that everybody becomes somebody who wants to share the gospel with everybody they know so that nobody is unaware of the love of Jesus? We never know when somebody with whom we share has never had anybody share with them before. So today, can we, everybody, covenant together to be somebody the Lord uses to plead with anybody and everybody to be reconciled to God through the blood of Christ. Nobody is beyond grace. Everybody is in desperate need. And anybody may commit to Christ if somebody will share. Be a somebody. I've asked my friend Brian to come this morning and conclude this part of our service with a, a message and song that challenges us to believe that there is nothing that Jesus cannot do 
No one that Jesus cannot reach or no one that Jesus cannot use to reach others. My hope is that you'll make application of the lyrics of this song from the aspect of being a somebody who shares the necessity of reconciliation with God to those in need. There's a line in the song that says, I want to say what you're saying, speaking life to what is dead. As Brian sings that this morning, I want to encourage you, make that your prayer as I make that my prayer. I don't know the writer's specific intent with the message of the song, but I do know that when we're obedient to the call of ministry of reconciliation, we are doing exactly that. As though God were begging, imploring, pleading through us, I want to say what you're saying. But the call from the text is to allow Christ to make an appeal through us, not to do it ourselves. There are those in your life who you may think are beyond the hope of salvation, but the reality is that anybody can come to Christ if we will be there somebody who shares the way. The question is not, are you able? The question is, do you believe Jesus is able? My prayer is after this time of worship through song, you will believe. Pastor Brett will come following the song to lead us in a time of communion where we can remember and thank God for our undeserved reconciliation with Jesus Christ through the blood of the cross. Another line in the song is this, it's you in exchange for me. Sounds a lot like verse 21 of the text we just read, doesn't it? Be a somebody. Jesus, I believe.